Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We are so glad that you're with us. We're recording this on uh, Tuesday morning, right after an amazing celebration of our nation's independence. And that is always uh, uh, such a great, great time. For me, it was a little bit different this year. Number one, in the past, we've had it at my house because we had this nice big field, right? 20-acre field, which is now yeah. destroyed because of our building expansion. But we always have these memories uh, on 4th of July because my brother-in-law, Dr. Brent, loves to blow things up. And uh, and we fireworks. all yeah fireworks, fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> and, and normally it's blowing it up in the field, but there was one moment we're all on the back patio and something that he lit on fire actually fell over and started launching fireworks at our house, <laughs> and so that's kind of the the normal the normal routine as we remember uh, that God saved our lives from uh, from Uncle Brent uh, and, and all the fireworks going off. But it was nice this year because we had it at another family member's house. And um, and for me, it was just I, I actually captured a picture of one of my grandsons when the fireworks were exploding. So the light was perfect. And uh, and little Uriah had this look on his face of awe and wonder, which uh, after, uh, you know, 64th of July is for me. Uh, the fireworks are awesome, but not as awesome. But for the little kids, boy, when you see them taking it all in, uh, it reminds me of just uh, the fun of the moment. We had yeah. some great fellowship. And uh, great food, and just thanking God for uh, the United States of America. Yeah, I saw some a post on social media uh, yesterday. You know, we, we we think about the signing of, of the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. You know, and it's like a celebratory thing. But you know, uh, basically the post says several of the signers gave their lives, their died, their house were burned, their oh, yeah, their, yeah. their wives and their children were killed. You know, they were held captive. So yeah. for those, and many of them spent their literally they pledged their fortunes and they. They backed it up. I mean, they they cost them everything. They lost everything. Yeah. So yeah. so it's it's a solemn moment for for those founders of the United States of our nation to sign that document, basically, basically their death warrant. You know. Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, and there's an interesting um, uh, study booklet uh, that David Barton has on his Wall Builders website that talks about the signers, and it gives a, a, a little background, a bio, biographical you know, sketch of each of them, and it does just what you said, talks about what each of them went through. And so it, it just reminds us of, of uh, the, the blood, the sweat, the tears, the sacrifice that was made so that we could enjoy the freedoms that we have you know, today in America. And that should be celebrated. We need to teach that. We need to, re we need to do a better job of that in our schools so that people understand that it, while it was certainly not a, a completely perfect union, it was uh, a more perfect union and, and the best thing that the world has ever seen, uh, even in its imperfections. So... Uh, a good point uh, in the midst of all the celebration to remember uh, the sacrifice that's been made. So anyway, great, great time. Uh, we hope you guys had a wonderful time. And, um, you know, it, it, we had a great time on Sunday doing what I love to do. It's the, one of the highlights of my year, Freedom Sunday. Yeah, so it's a chance for you to share on your heart, really, for our nation, what God's doing in our nation. Yeah. Um, and I always, I'm burdened, I guess, because we've talked about this. When you think of, of what are the venues where the true foundations, the religious foundations, the godly foundations of our of our history as Americans, where do, are those ever highlighted? Yeah. They've been completely removed from uh, our, our public, you know, education. Yeah. Um, you will not hear that in the media. 
And so where do you get to hear about the supernatural founding of America, about the ideas from the scriptures that went into the Bible? You know, you just don't hear those things. And I have a burden. I, I, in fact, we encourage people, watch the podcast because it's one of the venues where we're able to talk about these issues in more depth because it's just hard to on Sunday morning. But I, but I love the time that we spend on, on the uh, Sunday right around the 4th to, to talk about something and, and that matters. And we did that this Sunday. You know, I, I talked about the unchanging foundations of human dignity because we're really in a unique point, I guess, in American history right now. After 49 years of Roe v. Wade, seeing that reverse sent back to the states, I mean, we really have an incredible opportunity to recover a, a culture of life. But you cannot recover a culture of life if you don't know what are the principles that go into a culture of life. Right. And so we really wanted to take the time and talk about some some three essential truths, you know, from the Word of God, uh, from our Christian worldview, that are are like cornerstones uh, to a, a culture of, of freedom, a culture of life. And if you don't have those, you get a culture of death. And that's what we've been most familiar with for the last 49 years, 50 years in America, is this growing culture of death where life is not sacred, human life is not valuable, where we see these senseless killing as we, you know, we're horrified to, to find out about last night. But all this does not occur in a vacuum. Uh, there are reasons behind why we create kind of that social imaginary like we talked about, the imaginary culture, the world in which we live where people just act in certain ways. And when you're in a culture of death, it's like a downward spiral yep. uh, and life it becomes very cheap. But, the, but it, the all go, that all goes back to ideas. Ideas have consequences. Bad ideas have terrible consequences. Good ideas lead to life. And that's what this podcast is about. Well, I think you, you brought up the point is these are important discussions of ideas and why we do what we do, which occurs nowhere in our culture yeah. and society right now. Where do we have a meaningful, substantive discussion about anything uh, other than the little, you know, bumper sticker well, slogans? Well, you know, in college, I guess, I remember taking, um, this is what, when I was college in, what, 20 years ago. Man, you're um, getting old. <laughs> 20 years old, <laughs> freshman year at college. And again, it's a different world 20 years ago than yeah. today. In our, we had a core class in which you read different philosophers, and part of it we read the Bible. Right. Um, but we read, um, you know, Nietzsche. We read yep. Darwin. We read just a bunch of different philosophers. So you have these pseudo discussion. But again, that's twenty years ago. They actually included, and the professor, I believe, was a my professor was a Christian, right. um, though he wasn't over in his faith. But we have, we actually had that discussion. Twenty years later, I don't know. We're having these in depth, um, substantial discussion about the meaning of, say, life. Well, at our university setting. Well, we know the answer to this. Yeah. Right now, if you talk about something, say from the Bible, that triggers, you know, your discussion of the Bible triggers me, then yeah. you're guilty of, of violence against, you know, my my right. my identity or right. whatever. So we got all these snowflakes and we got safe zones and we really don't have free speech or critical thinking. We have indoctrination taking place right now. Right. So just like you said, it's, there's a place to look at what Nietzsche had to say, to look at what Darwin had to say, to look at what Marx had to say, to look at what Rousseau had to say, and certainly look at what Jesus had to say. And to have some critical thinking discussions about those ideas and see which one leads to life, which right. one makes sense. I mean, that's what universities used to be about. Right. Uh, but I think we've lost that. So anyway, um, to that end, that's that, that, that's why we do this. And I hope if you weren't there on Sunday, you'll take a moment to go back and to watch uh, the sermon on our uh, Living Stones 
lstones.org uh, website, and you can access that. And uh, we hope you find it helpful. Got a lot of good comments about yeah, it. Yeah, that was great. So I think it was awesome. Yeah. So I, I also did a book review. Yeah. You, <laughs> well, not a book review. Uh, yeah. You did a book recommendation. This one was a, is a doozy. Um, you know, it's so funny because I feel like every time uh, we do a podcast, we do a new book, people ask you about it, and then you throw a different book. I thought you were going to talk about how, uh, Strange New World, yeah. and then you went down another one. I was like, I was like, oh wow. Okay, yes, and and just to bring you all up to speed, we are going to pick up starting next week, Strange New World, yeah. um, because that book uh, will help you understand again what's going on in our culture today. But but based on human dignity, you know, uh, the Bible gets a bad rap today. Christians get a bad rap today. Um, uh, our supposed Christian founding wasn't Christian or whatever Christian vestiges there, there were. It was uh, poison to our country. And all you hear about is uh, uh, the, the, the negativity about the gospel and about the Bible and blah, blah, blah. This book is actually refreshing because it's written by an Indian man, um, uh, Vishal Mangawadi. It won a certain award for, for when it was written for uh, uh, Book of the Year or something like that. Uh, but it's called the book that made your world, uh, how the Bible created the soul of Western civilization. And just to give you an overview um, of the uh, contents here. So we're going to talk about things, for instance, um, like um, ideas like humanity, rationality, technology, self, service, language, literature, university, science, morality, uh, compassion, family, medical uh, 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 compassion, true wealth, liberty. I mean, these are concepts that are, are lost in today's discussions. Uh, but what he shows as an outsider, so coming from an Indian Hindu-based culture, he shows that it's actually the Bible that's the foundation for everything that we enjoy on, on an Independence Day and everything that we enjoy as Americans today. Yeah, I, I like the Eastern perspective, you know, because I'm, I'm I mean, I guess I'm kind of from the East myself. Uh, a lot of the thinking I had uh, came from the East, even though I grew up as a Christian. Yeah. Um, but you know how familiarity sometimes breeds contempt. Yep. Or, or at least a lack of recognition or, or entitlement. Yep. That's, maybe that's a better way to say it. Is you grew up in it, that's all you know, that's to enjoy the blessings of, of whatever it is. You're just like, oh, I deserve this, right? Yep. Yep. And uh, we talk about this when you go to a different country, when you go on the mission trip, you realize, wow, we really have a great United States. I think this, the idea of idea, uh, the, the concept of treating that as an, uh, the ideas that shape our wealth and our prosperity, yep. from an Eastern perspective, he's like, wow, we never had this. Right. So and that's why he's growing happens. up in, in India going, everything that you guys take for granted yeah. in the West. That's none of this is here in the East. You know, all those things he talked about, dignity and freedom and liberty and all those things. Yeah. In, in other words, America is incredibly unique. And that's what I think, again, many people just take for granted or don't understand how unique we are. We're the, we're the only place in the world that's like this with the liberty and freedom that we have. And I think the problem is when we start losing this liberty and freedom, and, and, and because we are undercutting these ideas, these prosperous ideas, if we can't connect the dots, we, we don't go back to these ideas. We adapt Marxist or, or totalitarian ideas to go and cover that up and we dig ourselves in the hole. I mean, I, I think about the idea of like, like, like the whole gun violence thing, okay? Yep. Like, you know, the, the immediate solution is we need to control more guns, not understanding the genius of the Second Amendment. Um, well, you, you just, you, yeah. I want to point something out. Yeah. You said the whole gun violence thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so 50 years ago, we wouldn't be talking about gun violence. We'd be addressing the problem of violence. 
But now we call it gun violence. We put an adjective in front of it to suggest that the reason that there's violence is because of guns. That's a whole upside down worldview. It's a progressive worldview that that attacks an inanimate object instead of the person holding the inanimate object and making a choice to to kill people with that object. Well, even that statement, gun violence, is the fact that you're stripping... um uh, personal will, free will, your your choice and yes. your personal responsibility from that, you know, and the sanctity, the lack of sanctity of life, the lack of respect for life. Yes. But instead of going to the, addressing the issue of how the root, the root, which is life is sacred, you know, yes. we, we try to we, we exert control instead, you know. So, so, so let's just look. You said life is sacred. Mm-hmm. Who says? I mean, it's always good to say who says, because who says basically says, what's your basis of authority? Where'd that idea come from? Right. So, is that idea valid? Is that idea legitimate? Yeah. So we talked about, I shared at the at the start of the message from this book about a situation where a, a perfectly healthy little girl in an Indian village was starved to death by her parents because her life in their worldview was not valid or wasn't, wasn't valuable. All right. A tragic thing. In fact, I had one of our young ladies come up to me afterwards. The story was about a gal named Sheila, mm-hmm. and she, uh, one of our young young gals, came up and she said, "Pastor, what happened to Sheila? Did you know? Did she make it?" And I had to tell her, "No, she was starved to death by her parents." And this is happening all over. This is not an isolated event. Her, she was she was traumatized to hear that news. She was heartbroken. She had compassion for this little girl she never had met. Where did that compassion come from? And, and here's a deeper question. In a, in a naturalistic worldview that's godless, who cares? Why should we even care about that girl? Who right. cares? Um, why should somebody in the West or anywhere in the world, why should a teenager in America care about some gal named Sheila she's never met who was starved to death in some village in, in India? But the fact is we do care. But we need to ask the question, Why? If we're animals, there's no basis for care. If we're if we're godless and there is no God and life is meaningless, then why care? Why do we even judge that behavior as wrong in a world that has no absolute transcendent truth? Like, if they want to starve their, their daughter to death, then let them. I mean, who who am I to who am I to object? Right. In other words, so many things we take for granted come from like this notion of sanctity of human life. So Sunday, I tried to lay a foundation for why we care about any of this. And where's, where does this concept that life is sacred come from? And so we started off by simply establishing the God issue. You know, the God issue in any worldview is foundational because it asks the question, where did all this come from? Like, where did all of human life come from? Where did the planets come from? Where did the universe come from? And, and your answer to that question puts you into at least two categories, into either atheism or some type of monotheism or polytheism or something. Either you believe in, in God or you don't believe in God. But the but biblical teaching on the fact that we were created by God establishes a certain sense of authority, number one, that your life is, is, is not your own, that it's God created, right? And that there's something special about human life uh, because God is the author. It also says, you know what, if God created life, you and I don't have the authority to take it. Uh, so there's already something with that simple belief, either that there is a God and he created you. 
and that you're accountable to him. And as I shared Sunday, you know, God's not really threatened by whether you believe in him or not. Like my belief in God does not does not make him real or not. God has revealed himself in the beginning. God, you know, so so he's he's chosen to reveal himself to us. Our choice is whether or not we're going to submit to that reality. But whether I rebel against it or submit to it does not change the reality of God. Uh, God is. And our job as humans is to submit to that reality and then learn, as we as we shared about in past weeks, it's an invitation to get to know who this amazing God is. Yeah. And so you cannot have, let's talk about the flip side. And in fact, I'll throw, I'll throw the ball in your lap. Why is it impossible to talk about sanctity of life if you're an atheist? Yeah, because if you have a naturalistic perspective, compassion, protecting the weak are seen as they're not virtues. They're, they're counter to your survival, you know, and that whole idea. Again, you can. I love when people try to merge compassion and a naturalistic point of view. Yeah, it, it makes good in Hollywood sense because it appeals to the sense of every single one of us of that there is a God and compassion is a good right. thing. But like Nietzsche, this is what I love about Nietzsche. All right. I hate his philosophy, but I love the fact that he was at least willing to live with the logical outgrowth of his godless worldview. Yeah, he's actually consistent. He's, he's a nihilist. Yeah. He understands that, that if you if you throw God out, the whole universe melts down. I mean, everything is turned absolutely upside down, and anything that used to have value, like justice, freedom, uh, compassion, all those words are meaningless. Because God, if there's no transcendent truth, then we're left in the realm of just simply humans. Yeah. And his whole Nietzsche's whole uh, philosophical uh, core was based on power. Because he understood, if, if it's just me against you, my will against your will, my pleasure against your pleasure, then whoever has the biggest stick is going to be the one who's going to live the happiest life. Yep. So he actually viewed Christianity, he blamed Christianity for compassion and for all this humanitarian stuff, which he viewed as complete weakness. He, he despised it. And, and, and so, again, I, I share something. So many of our, our moralists, we, we have people trying to find the moral high ground, the pro-abortion moral high ground. There is none. When you're godless and, and you, you don't believe in the sanctity of life, you have no moral high ground, so you have to actually borrow ours. The reason you have no moral high ground is you have no morals, period. You have no foundation for morality. So it's all a sham, and it's all a power-based sham is what it is. Right. Um, God is the author of life. That is, that is principle number one for Christians. We, should be, we, we cannot be silent about the reality of God, the presence of God, and the, in the, uh, the ideas that have consequences. That's why I was ripping on evolution. Uh, we wonder why this young man, 22 years of age, climbs on a roof and starts randomly shooting innocent people. And we're trying to blame the gun for that. We're trying to blame uh, America in general for that. Uh, and that's because we've completely lost our way from a biblical moral worldview, which holds him responsible. Uh, and it's a serious consequence. I, I just wanted to highlight this. I didn't get to it in, in the message on Sunday. Um, but you'll hear people. I talked about the, the, the foggy thinking that's even in the church, right? That we're not even clear about what we should be very clear about. And I've heard Christians say, well, if you're going to be... If you're going to be pro-life, then you need to be anti-Second Amendment. Okay, well, wait a minute. Why should we be against ownership of guns to protect ourselves, to protect innocent life? 
Why should we be against owning a gun and using a gun to protect yourself, which are all, uh, you know, protection of private property, protection of life is all uh, endorsed by the Bible. Um, why? why? Why is that inconsistent? And also, how about, I've heard this before too. Well, if you're pro-life, you should, you should be against capital punishment. Why should you be against capital punishment if you're pro-life? In fact, I would argue just the, the opposite. We said the second point on Sunday was, was human beings are not only created by God, but we're stamped with the image of God. Hmm. That takes it to a whole other level. Yeah. And that separates us from animal life. So we can't get into all this speciesism and all this crazy nonsense that's being taught today when you reject God. But here, here's where capital punishment is mentioned in the Bible. It comes in Genesis chapter 9. Uh, it comes right after Cain killed Abel, uh, the first murder that took place. Um, and, uh, and this is what, what it says, Genesis chapter 9, verse 5. And I this is God speaking. I will require the blood of anyone who takes another person's life. If a wild animal kills a person, it must die. And anyone who murders a fellow human must die. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. In other words, this is why God established government. Government has the authority to take life in the punishment of wickedness and evil. It, God has given government the rightful place of taking life in the case of murder. And it says here, and here's why, this is, this is the justification. For God made human beings in his own image. Now, this is huge. People will say, well, we shouldn't be vengeful. Taking someone's life is an act of vengeance. No, taking somebody's life, like this young man. If this young man, 22 years of age, just shot 24 people and took I don't know how many innocent lives, there should be a quick trial to make sure that he was the one pulling the trigger. Uh, if he's found guilty, there should be a quick sentence, and his sentence should be death. Why? Is it because we are being vengeful? No, it's because he's he killed people made in the image of God. He violated the, the authority that only God has. And God says because of that, because he took people made in the image of God, his crime is fundamentally not a crime against humanity. It is fundamentally a crime against deity. It is a crime against God himself, and God demands that person's life. People say, well, Pastor, I don't know if, it, if, if the death penalty um, you know, uh, deters violence. Uh, that's not the point. You're missing the whole point. When you take God out of the picture, you miss the whole point. The issue is God, and the issue is the glory of God, and the issue is the value that's on human beings because they're made in the image of God. I mean, my goodness, this truth has been completely lost today, even among Christians. Yeah. And, uh, and this is that foggy thinking that happens when we don't reason from Scripture we reason from culture, and then we try to get the Bible to say what what the surrounding culture is saying. Yeah, there's lost this whole idea of, of the glory of God. I mean, that the idea of glory of God has been taken out of the public sphere. But but the whole concept is, yeah, it's a, it's a violation of the transcendent when you murder somebody. It's not just an act of violence. It's a violation of something sacred. Violent, uh, this is, this is human's life, going back to the idea, human life is sacred. And when you take it, it is, you're violating something huge. And, and again, we, we've lost that. There, there should be a sense of, of shuddering and fear at the thought of, of bringing violence against any of our brothers and sisters. When, when I look at you, I should see the divine. Right. You're not divine, but you're made in the image of the divine. 
and, 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 and to see you as somebody valuable. So how I speak to you, how I care for you. Right. If you're if you're born with a deformity, it doesn't mean that you're of less value. If you're born with uh, Down syndrome, it doesn't mean your life is meaningless and I have the right to kill you. No, it means we demonstrate compassion for those who are weak because the, the weakest one among us is a reflection of the glory of our great God. And I will argue it will deter crime. It will deter murder. It will deter, it will make a better society if those ideas, again, look at the consequences of ideas. If that idea is embedded in our society, it will make us better and make, we'll treat each other better. Not just like so people won't murder. I mean, yeah, absolutely that, but so that people will treat each other better on social media and they're yeah. nasty the posts to each other, the, the culture, like, civility. I'm not going to say nasty things about your, you personally on social media because you, even though I we disagree you're made in the image of god so the point is this creates a culture that is kind and gentle and yeah. compassionate and we care about one another instead of a culture that has grown increasingly coarse and rude and perverted right. and and treat i mean who in their right mind would stand on a rooftop and randomly shoot innocent men women and children See, here's what we're going to do. We, because we've lost our moral our moral compass, we no longer have a theological uh, Christian worldview. Yeah. So now they're saying, oh, this guy needs to undergo um, mental examination to see if he's mentally healthy or mentally ill. Because if he's mentally ill, then we won't, we won't give him as rough of a sentence. And we'll put him in jail for the rest of his life. And taxpayers will pay to support this guy. While there's families out there that just lost their dad, their mom, their brother, their sister, their grandma. I don't know who was slaughtered. Um, and I, I might add, it doesn't require a gun to commit violence. We just had some, some demonized person uh, up in um, Wisconsin uh, during a Christmas parade to take a vehicle and just ran over people in cold cold-blooded murder this is not mental illness this is moral illness it's the sign of a wicked sinful heart and god demands justice not some uh, get out of jail free card because you're determined that you weren't in your right mind of course you're not in your right mind because you're functioning from a wicked heart uh, a wicked depraved heart and god demands justice and our society demands justice uh, but I don't know if we'll ever get justice unless there's some some serious change going on. I saw a, a quote. And I, I, I want to just touch on this and get your opinion. Uh, this I just gave a big amen to this quote because I think it's it really captures America today, especially American Christianity. He says Americanized Christianity has convinced millions of professing Christians that quote love your enemies means quote have no enemies. This has resulted in the church becoming apathetic towards and tolerant of unbridled evil, creating passive Christians stuck in inaction and fear. Um, amen. Love your enemies doesn't mean they don't exist. And, and, and being, I brought this point up. We love people, but we absolutely hate evil ideas. And the problem is we have a passive church because we're afraid to speak out on anything evil and call our enemies real enemies uh, because of this weird neutered love your love your neighbor kind of ethic. We saw this during COVID. We saw this when churches couldn't even celebrate that Roe v. Wade was overturned. 
we saw that churches now have a have a problem. You know, our 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 property was lined with American flags on on July the third, celebrating the birth of this nation. Not because we idolize America, but because we honor the God and the ideas that gave rise to America. And yet, people will attack that today and say that the American flag has no place showing up in church. It's idolatry. This is some woke, perverted crazy kind of American evangelicalism today that's completely lost its biblical moorings. And it's frustrating to me, as you can probably tell. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, I'm, a little I'm bit. on a little bit of a soapbox right now. I, I think it's a great point that this individual made about the difference between having love your enemy and having no enemy. Loving your enemy is, is in the middle of tremendous pressure and stress and conflict to have the character, to have the 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 perseverance to push through and care and love have no enemy is just have is the opposite of that it's like no resistance no character no perseverance just lay down and just kowtow to whatever wins uh the culture okay. pushes so when you have an evil government pushing evil things and you quote romans 13 as a as a blanket for rolling over and basically allowing like like for instance right now our government is trying to disarm the american people that is a wicked idea because if you got one uh, uh, half of a brain, you can look at um, at history, world history, and see everywhere where that's happened. The end result has been tyranny and oppression and the murder, mass murder by government of its citizens. Just look at history. That idea should be resisted in the pulpits of America by any any preacher who understands evil and understands a, a tiny iota of human history, who understands the fall, who understands the right to protect property, the right to protect your family. These are God-given rights. And yet in woke America today, we have a lot of pastors who say, you know, you Christians love your love your guns more than you love your neighbor. You know, stupid things like this, which which irritate me. I'm going to love my neighbor through the Second Amendment. And I'm going to make sure I keep my guns. Yeah, protect them. Yeah. So I can not only protect my neighbor, but I can protect myself from my neighbor. Yeah. And I can protect myself from a government. You know, I saw some of the memes that I really appreciate. Like, hey, folks, this the, the, the birth of our nation, we're celebrating because people own guns and they fought against a wicked government. Our government right now is not something we should be putting blanket trust in, that they have our best interest in mind. Lest I remember, remember during COVID when they were telling you you couldn't even run your business? When they told you you couldn't even go see your mom who was dying in the hospital? Yep. Remember that government? That's not that far. Remember the, the tyranny in Chicago when they were shutting the entire city down? Remember when you're being fined for going out without a mask? These are the same people trying to disarm you right now. And, and, and for Christians to roll over and not have enough guts and courage to stand up and connect the dots, that's, that's a very sad thing. But may it not be said of us. May it not be said of us. All right. How much time do we run out of time? I knew we'd have a lot to talk about today. How are we doing? Uh, I forgot to start the clock at the beginning. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're starting to run out of time. I'm ah, sure. All yeah. right. I'm sure we've talked yeah. a lot. Yeah. The last thing. Okay. So so three <laughs> things really quick. You're made by God. Yeah. Your life is not your own. And you don't have the right to take someone's life, especially unborn life, in the womb. Number two. You're stamped with God's divine image, which sets you apart from animals, which means we have babies because babies are more valuable than dogs and cats and pets. And uh, it means we love human life more than we love the material world in which we live. And we, we're not going to kill people because we're afraid of overpopulation or global warming. These are This is nonsensical. Uh, 
Number three, and this is huge, we value life because God valued human life so much that he sent his son who was conceived in the womb of a virgin whose body was knit together, as Psalms 139 talks about Jesus, knit together in the womb of Mary. Jesus come out of the birth canal, a baby, a human being who takes on human flesh and dies on a cross for us and pays for our redemption. You know, I showed Sunday, the point of, of our unity as human beings is the fact not that we all look alike, we don't. Not that we all live in the same country, we don't. Not that we're all males or all females, we're not. We're male and female, we're, we're two different genders, so we can't use, you know, just one sex as the basis for unity. The basis for unity is the fact that we're created by God, number one. We're redeemed by Jesus Christ, number two. So we're all sinners in need of a Savior. That's what unifies humanity together. And that's why in the church we should be preaching a gospel of the kingdom, not this woke uh, critical race theory or some of those other Marxist templates that are being put over these false uh, bids for, um, for unity, which, aren't, which just divide us uh, and separate us. We need biblical truth to bring us together, and we need Jesus. He's the only one big enough to bring about healing in America and a common, um, uh, a common worldview that holds us all together. So these were powerful truths. They're not my truths. Yeah. They're biblical truths. There's truths we share together. They're truths that must be recovered and truths that should be shouted from the housetops if we're serious about building a culture of life. Uh, so I'm excited. We talked about, man, we, we, last, uh, last podcast, all these great Supreme Court rulings um, that, that are lining up again with biblical truth and freedom. Uh, this is not a time, you know, to sit back and to, to be passive or, or whatever. It, it's a time to be bold. It's a time to recover lost truth. It's a time to dream. And we got, we got to recover higher education. We got to recover public education. We've got so much work to be done. Um, but I'm excited about the opportunity to be a part of the solution. Yeah, and I think you want to build, if you want to reveal the kingdom of God, you have to start a foundation of valuing life. That's, that's, that's got to be one of the foundational principles. And we value life because we're made in the image of God. Amen. That, that's got to be a founding principle. If you don't have that, I don't know what else you have. And it's, it is the foundation for loving one another well. And there again, that's what the beauty of the local church is. When, when people come to Living Stones or any Jesus-loving church, they should see a culture of life manifest. Yeah. From the way we treat the least of these all the way to, to the senior saints among us. Yeah. Everybody in between, it is a it is a holistic culture of loving people, loving them well. Yeah. And and again, I think that's something that we do well here at Livingstone. So uh, not that we don't have room for improvement, but hey, let's keep it up and, and let's model this before a watching world. So church, let's let's get engaged. Let's speak it. Our worldview leads to maximum blessing. I am unashamed about that. I, yeah. It's the truth. The gospel is the truth. Everywhere it goes, it elevates people. So hey, I'm challenging you. Keep doing your homework. You need to be reading books like this. You need to be reading books like Strange New World. You need to be reading books on Christian worldview because you are part of the answer and, uh, and you're a valuable part of our lives and a part of our life together. So thanks for tuning in today. Hope you enjoy this. We love you all. We'll look forward to being with you next Thursday.